take over. But thank you, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. Lord, because of your mercy, Lord, we're able to be here. Because of your mercy, there were searching in our hearts, Lord. There was a searching in our hearts to see whether the words of our mouths, the meditation of our hearts, are truly pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord. I thank you that it is a, the beginning of a new week. A new week, Lord, to turn over a new leaf. To consider how we spent the last seven days. And to see where we need to repent. Follow even closer behind the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk with you. To talk with you, Lord. To do your holy will. Thank you, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. We're going to worship. Stanley's going to lead us in worship. Let's open our hearts, our minds, our mouths. Use every part of our body in holiness for the glory of God in this house. We've come not to a building merely, but to the presence of God, to the house of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him in spirit and truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. God 
Hallelujah. One on one with God. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. See if there is any wicked way in me, O Deliver me, my love.
with churches all across the nation today, meeting at this very hour, whose sacrifice of praise you do not accept. Perhaps we were among them, even in this house. I pray, Lord, help us to weep over our sins in your presence. Before we rush to say that you are a savior, to understand from what you saved us from, Lord, and to see if there's still any wicked way in us. You are a God of holiness and justice. You're a God who will not at all acquit the guilty. We are quick to read in the scriptures, Lord. You condemn others. Perhaps we're in the same position because of unconfessed sin, because we come into the presence of God with things that are conveniently hidden under the rug, as it were. Oh God, I pray. Let every one of those wicked things be brought out in your presence. That we may slay them, Lord, and mortify them, and be in a position to offer praises that are acceptable in the sight of Almighty God. Oh Lord, I pray, burn up everything that is false in our lives. Jesus, that we may be truly a holy people, Lord, with the sacrifices that are acceptable in your sight. Thank you, Lord. Break us down, Lord. Pray this if you believe that God is here, not merely mortals that you can gather together with and have fellowship, have a nice time, but God has come down. Hallelujah. You're face to face with God. Say, Lord, take away everything that is vain in my life. Because, Lord, it is idolatry before you. Jesus, help us. Break me down, Lord. Pray that to the Lord from the depths of your heart. If you mean business with God, if you expect God to do anything for you, say, break me down, Lord. Take away everything, Lord, that is not of you. I may have come into this house with things attached to me that should not be. God says now, you get rid of it so that I can come down and touch you and bless you and anoint you. And every man be swift to hear, every woman, every child, be swift, quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to be bitter against the unveiling of our own hearts by God. Let God do what He has come today to do. Oh Lord, we sing, Have your way, Lord, but do we really mean it? Lord, I pray that the melodies and the songs that we're so familiar with, that we can sing them perfectly. While the heart is not even there, our minds are elsewhere, I pray help us to rally ourselves, Lord, behind every word, to rally our hearts behind every melody uttered, that it may reach heaven, oh Father, pray, break me down, break me down, break me down, Lord, till nothing is left except, Lord, that which is acceptable, pleasing in your sight. 
Let's worship the Lord again. Holiness. Thank you, Lord.
And only what is acceptable to you will remain, Lord. I want to offer holy, pleasing sacrifice unto the one who redeemed my life from the pit. The one who redeemed my life from destruction. I want to offer a holy sacrifice that is pleasing and acceptable in the sight of Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Continue, continue to keep your mind and heart focused on God and keep saying those things from your heart. God will meet you. And today you will leave this place having been touched by His Spirit. Hallelujah. That's what you came for. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to worship. Let the worship ascend to God, a sweet-smelling savor, holy, pure worship, through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Your blood is all I need. 
praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This is the time when we come into God's presence to really let Him with the searchlight. Because after all, in the book of Isaiah, the book of Genesis, the book of Malachi, and the whole New Testament up to Revelation, the Lord says, I am the one that searches your heart. I am the one with eyes of fire that closely inspects and tries the reins, the control center of your being. God says, I am the one who can examine that by my Holy Spirit. And I want you to be pleasing to me, well pleasing to me. How can I bring an offering to God unless my hands are clean? Will God accept an offering from unclean hands? Will He accept an offering from unclean lips, unclean hearts, unclean lives? Will He accept anything? Is He that kind of God? That we can come any way we like and plead His mercy and sing of His goodness, shout and dance and stop, stop and say hallelujah and praise God. When there are things still unresolved, unsurrendered, God wants us to surrender every part of our being. Only then can I bring an offering that is acceptable to Him. When the offerer is worthy, then his or her offering becomes worthy. The Lord says, you hypocrites to the religious leaders, is it the gift or the offering that sanctifies the altar or is it the other way around? Is it the temple or the altar? And so our bodies are the temples of the living God, our hearts, our minds, when that is clean, the inside is clean, the outside will be clean also. But we focus too much on looking just right before man, even just right before God, so that we can fool Him. That's exactly what it amounts to. When I know God is all-knowing and all-seeing, and He's the most worthy person, Come to Him without reconciling with those I've offended. To dare to come to offer something to Him in worship with a bitter heart, resentment against God's people, against God's servants, against God Himself. You know what God would say? He'll say, stay home. He would say, don't even bother coming to my temple. Isn't that right? Which of us would like a child to come who's full of resentment and gives us a gift or a card hating us because everything we tell them to do the children are rebellious what parent would like lip service? we wouldn't like that we'd immediately call them out on that and say do the right thing then come to me. Don't rebel against me all day long and then come and give me a card. Give me a gift. 
it becomes all the more valuable when the person offering it has real love in his or her heart. One of the things God keeps saying in the Bible is, stop being unjust. Don't come to me with an unjust heart. Unmerciful, as we're going to see today, of a nation, of a city that was unmerciful, cruel. God said enough is enough. He put an end to it. He gave them space to repent. He graciously came to them. And they did for a short season. But then they went right back to their wicked ways. You need to come to God knowing who He is and saying, Lord, I do want to be happy and rejoice in Your presence. And God says, that's what I want too. God doesn't come to give sadness and come to mete out judgment all the time. It's only when sin is found. But if sin is not there, it's celebration time. Hallelujah. So God wants us to pay close attention to what He's speaking in this hour. Ask yourself in the presence of God, is my worship acceptable to God? Have I left things that I know I cannot bring in the presence of God at the door? And am I determined sincerely not to pick them up again at the door as a sort of convenient check-in so I can come into the presence of God, feel a little bit free because I dealt with it to a certain level. What is it? My hatred, my animosity, my bitterness, unforgiveness, all the things from hell. Say, I'm going to do a little check-in at the door at God's house as if we can fool God. No. If we leave it outside of God's house, we should not go back and pick it up again. That's integrity before God. We ought to crucify the things that are hateful to God. All manner of evil. Say, Lord, I will be tender-hearted toward my people, your people. Lord, I will forgive. I will not play the judge. I will not play the harlot, Lord. Loving the world secretly. Is there any secret before God? Everything. It says hell and destruction that's so far removed from God's character. God says it's right in front of me. How much more than your heart and my heart? The hearts of the children of men. What terror it should strike in our hearts to ever think that we can hold on just a little bit of a grudge a little bit of uncleanness. Already planning what I'm going to do with the rest of my Sunday. Disregarding God's presence. That this is the first day to be offered as a first fruits unto God. To seek Him diligently. Let's offer to God a pleasing sacrifice. That every motive of my heart is to say, Lord, it's all out surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to worship again. May the worship be even more touching to the heart of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Purify my heart. Yes, Lord. Purify my heart. Purify.
this time. Purify my heart. Purify, purify my heart. Bring out everything. Bring out everything. Bring out everything that is unclean. Oh, pull it out, Lord. Pull it out like trash. Bring out everything. I don't want it anymore. Bring out everything. Bring out everything that is unclean. Sweep out everything. Lord, sweep out everything. Sweep out everything that is unclean.
have this on the projector if we can get it up, please. We are here to praise. We're here to praise you, Lord. Lift our hearts and sing. We are here to give you the best that we can. The best praise. that we treasure that corrupts 
and the excitement, we're beside ourselves, begin to shout and dance. And when the home team wins, shout and dance. When your kid is on the playing field and scores a goal, rejoicing, you want everybody to know, that's my boy. I'm proud of him, that's my girl, that's my daughter. Oh, that's my mom, that's my dad who got that award. Shouting and stomping. Genuine, fierce, loyalty to human beings, flesh. But to God, often we're like a stone set. And even those who are able to raise up their hands in worship, the heart is like a stone. God says, rend your hearts. That's why in the beginning of the service, the Spirit of God led us to say, Lord, break me down, break me down, break me down, Lord, that I can become a holy, pleasing, acceptable sacrifice in your sight. Nebuchadnezzar erected a statue tens of feet high in the plains of Europe, an idol that eventually got smashed we may be four feet high physically, five feet high, six feet high, even seven feet high. We may have a tall idol that we're carrying around. S-L-E-L-F, self. Every time God says, break down before me, humble yourself, go and make amends for your sins. No, it doesn't apply to me. I've got other things to do. I don't like to hear that. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. That's all God ever hears from you. What about break me down, Lord, so that I can be a blessing to you? Hallelujah. Break down the idol, Lord. An idol is not merely an object that is external. It could be. But it all begins in the heart. When we choose to do what we want to do and not what God said to do. Break that down. Then we can be holy and acceptable to God. We're going to sing one more song of worship to God. As we examine ourselves, put away all the petty, foolish, wicked desires the seeking for me to be seen and heard, it is such a polluted, wasteful, destructive thing. But when I say, Lord, break me down, I truly want Jesus to be seen and heard in my life. But we need to know it takes preparation. We can't just rush into God's presence and say, all is well, hallelujah. The term hallelujah means praise the Lord and only those with clean lips are allowed in God's presence to say it. Imagine a devil coming saying praise the Lord. Would God accept it? We need to say, Lord, clean me, clean me, clean me. Even those of us who have taken inventory and taken out huge containers of trash from the inmost depths of our being can still say, Lord, search me with your search light so I can be totally clean, Lord. 
a holy vessel, Lord, to be used by you. Oh, Jesus. Let's worship God. As you say, Lord, break me down. That it'll be a sweet aroma to God when we sing. And if you're not sure if you're clean, don't sing. Cry to God in your heart. Say, Lord, make me clean. Then open your mouth and sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of the living God. Fresh touch from you. consequential at this moment. But you're dealing with the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Lord, break me. Melt this idol of self that is so self-protective. So desirous of what I can get. How people can make me feel this tall idol that I'm carrying around. To smash it to bits. Lord, break me, Lord. And melt me, Lord, 
Then mold me, Lord, and fill me, Lord. The Jews, by the Wailing Wall, even today, in Jerusalem, as they pray, they adopt a posture. You can see them in a rocking motion, not involuntarily, but quite deliberately and intentionally. You know why? They are trying to express their contrition, their penitence, their deep sorrow. It's true. They're crying for their land and the destruction of the temple. But also those who are sincere for their own sins. They're seeking to bring the mercy of God on themselves. And we have come to the mercy seat of Christ. Hallelujah. But He still requires a total breakdown within. Not a nervous breakdown, but a heart breakdown knowing that I need to deal with me which can stand as a barrier between my holiness and God's acceptance. I want that removed so I can be holy. Shall we pray this right now? If you really desire it, if you really mean business with God, can you say this in the presence of God? repeat these words if you will if you mean it as a body of Christ here Heavenly Father break me down Lord melt me oh Lord I don't want anything of me left all my prayers I don't want it to be self-centered anymore. I don't want any pretense anymore. I want to genuinely seek the glory of Almighty God. God, mold me that everything I do and say will truly be well-pleasing to you. Fill me, Lord, to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Give me ears to hear Eyes to see, heart to obey your truth, to keep your commandments, Lord. Oh, I pray every day for the rest of my existence on this planet. I want the fear of God all over my bones, all over my life, that I serve you acceptably, Lord, with the deep reverence and awe that I owe to you. I have a heart of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray whatever you have for me this day, as you've already been working in my heart, let your work be complete, Lord. What you've intended for my life personally on July 21st, 2021, what you have on your calendar to accomplish for your child, me, May that happen, Lord. May I not leave this house without that happening. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord, to listen exactly to what you're saying to me. And allow the Holy Spirit to complete your work and seal it until the day of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Praise be to God. You may be seated. We're going to have the announcements. Then the ties and offering.
you'll hear the word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Greetings to everyone in the precious name of Jesus. I would like to welcome any first time visitor or guests who are among us. We welcome you in Jesus' name. May God bless you abundantly in this Sunday service. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, with announcement for this week, Tuesday we have the we have the uh, the family Bible study on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. on Ring Central, and uh, we have then the meeting in this week on Saturday. Um, for the moms meeting on the, in the morning at 8 and then the kids meeting at 9.30 for kids age uh, 9 to 15 and at 11 in the morning for the kids age 3 to 8 on Saturday we have the prayer meeting, uh, the kids meeting and uh, we have the morning call, the morning prayer call uh, at 5.45am so uh, these are the meetings that we have uh, this week so praise God Praise God for this meeting. Amen. And uh, there's also one meeting on Wednesday, Wednesday evening for the young adults um, meeting on Wednesday evening at, um, I think it is 6, um, young adults meeting. And so, 7? Okay. <laughs> Alright, 7. 7 in the evening uh, as a new addition, the meeting that we had. Uh, so that that was second meeting that we'll have this week. So praise God for this meeting. Now this is the time to give to the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Just as Those giving 
online, Lord, all of them are part of the giving unto you. Tithes and offerings acceptable in your sight. As we bow our heads and thank God. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have come down to meet with your children, Lord. Father, when we cry unto you, we call unto you, you are good and faithful to come down and meet us where we are. You are so good, Lord. You humble yourself to behold the heavens. How much more to come down and condescend to be with your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for preparing us. It's your Spirit that prepares us so that we can come and be blessed by you. Thank you for doing that work. Multiply the tithes and offerings that your people have brought into your house, O Lord. Into your storehouse, Lord. That multitudes may come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will be led to thorough repentance to receive the grace of God in their lives to become born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all. You are the Lord who both supplies the seed to the one who sows and bread to the person who consumes it. You supply the seed to the one who's able to come and sow. It's all from you. Hallelujah. And you provide the bread to the eater. Thank you, Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches by glory, or in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You never, ever shortchange us, Lord. We can never, ever find you to be a debtor to us. We owe it all to you. Thank you, Father. You've taken so good care of us this week. Can we say thank you to God? Can we worship Him? Has God been good to you? Think about it from Sunday up until this Sunday. Hallelujah. Oh, my God gave me water to drink. Hallelujah. My God helped me to drink the water. Yes, it came from Him. My God gave me food to eat. He gave me the ability to eat. Hallelujah. God clothed me. I was not found in the streets naked and destitute. Thank you, Abba. What makes me so special? Nothing in me. All of His grace. Hallelujah. Shall we shout hallelujah? Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise His holy name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Praise God. The book of Nahum. An oracle concerning... Nineveh, this morning, as I sought the Lord on what to speak, the Lord led me to this book of Nahum, three chapters. God is perfect in His wisdom. In Nahum, chapter 3, in verse 4, there's a judgment. And for all the countless prostitution of the prostitute, graceful and deadly witchcraft, 
who betrays nations with her immorality and people with her witchcraft. I knew why the Lord turned me to this. It serves to teach us that God is a just and holy God. That God does not merely look the other way when His people are being destroyed. When there is abomination in the midst of the house of God, that God says, I'm paying close attention to the sorcery and the harlotry that is in the midst of my people, destroying my people. The burden for or against this city called Nineveh, which was far east to the promised land, the capital of Assyria. This nation was given a golden opportunity from God Almighty to repent before He leveled the place. And it happened through the preaching of Jonah about a hundred years earlier to Nahum, whom God sent in His mercy one more time. This time to the people of God because God had reached the limit of His patience. Every time you and I read the scriptures, we may look at it contextually, contextually, and say this is where it is on the map of God's program from Genesis to Revelation. And we are drawn to the, the significance of that to our Bible reading. Then we may think this is where it is geographically. And it adds value in our understanding. It keeps us reminded that these are concrete historical events and not fairy tales. Furthermore, we get drawn into the nature of the living God in the way He deals with people and nations, families and individuals. God reveals His character. We ought to go to the scriptures to say, Lord, I want to know you better. When I read the Word of God, I want to be drawn into your Holy Presence so I can know how to conduct myself so that I don't become your enemy, but rather your child. And we can get that from the Gospels. But unless we read through the Old Testament, which has not been abolished or put away since we are new covenant people, but it is part of the entire counsel of God. Because of neglect of any portion of God's Word, people have a very substandard, perverted, an offensive view of how they ought to come to the Holy God, because they don't understand how holy He is. When we read books like Nahum, which is between the minor Old Testament book of Micah and Habakkuk, somewhere around 6th, 20 BC, about a hundred years after Jonah was sent in God's mercy to the same place, saying that God is going to destroy everybody in a matter of days. The heathen king, the ruthless, wicked king at that time, and all the people called for a fast, they shook 
when they heard this reluctant preacher just come into the city and say, 40 days and it's all over. And then he went and sat conveniently to watch the destruction of his national enemies. But God, in his mercy, listened to their cry for repentance. At that time, this city where there was immorality, cruelty, oppression, and sorcery, witchcraft was prevalent in Nineveh. They repented. When God saw genuine repentance, He instantly spared them. Such is the goodness of God. In Romans 11, 22, it says this, Behold the goodness of God and the severity of God. Goodness to those who continue in His goodness, or abide in His commandments. Severity on those who disobey and fell. There's a choice for every human being, including the Christian, to either gravitate closer to the Holy God and say, Lord, change me, break me down, Lord. Search me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me. I want all of it out. Sweep out every unclean thing from my heart, Lord. Everything that is impure, I want it out. Why is God again and again emphasizing genuine repentance? Because He's a holy God. In the book of Nahum, we see this in three chapters, three revelations. God is sending this prophet this time to Judah. Because the Assyrians, in around 663 or so BC, 664, after 50 years of enjoying God's mercy, sparing them, when they first repented under the preaching of Jonah, 8th century BC, very soon they started doing the spells. Right away, witchcraft, harlotry, immorality, uncleanness, cruelty. They used to take their people that they captured and they used to murder the leaders and torture them before they murdered them. God saw this cruelty and they used to lead them on marches and many would die in the march because of the torture on the way. This kind of wicked people, God said, I gave you scores of years to repent. And you chose to take my mercy for granted, the grace that I showered upon you for granted. And you went right back to the sorcery and the cruelty and the oppression and the immorality. God says in chapter 1, I am a jealous God. I'm watching everybody 24-7. There's a surveillance camera from heaven that is powered by God Himself, which continues. No one can stop it. No one can block it. And it's all going to unwind on that day of judgment. Every secret thing that you and I have done, all of it will come out. God says, knowing my nature, my character, will you repent now so that judgment won't come to you later? There we see this. In an alternation of the justice, the holy jealousy, 
the wrath of God against sin, there are verses that Nahum preaches of deep consummation. In fact, the term or the name of Nahum means comfort, consolation. To Judah, who was not walking with God, but suddenly there's a king, Josiah, in that same period, a good king. And you know what that king did? When the people had all kinds of wizardry happening in the house of God, and king after king just either looked the other way or promoted him. God was watching his indignation rising. My own children doing this against me? But you see, God is a merciful God. He didn't strike them immediately. He gave them space. He sent a prophet to declare the book. God's holy book has been found. And they read it in the presence of King Josiah. And what happened? It tore him up deep in his heart. And he wept. Immediately he went up and down the land, cleansing the entire nation as best that he did. God saw that. And so you have Judah, perhaps like you, or your family, having tasted, I didn't know God, I was an Assyrian, I was a foreigner, not even a Jew, not even a Christian. I was an alien to the grace of God, but God drew me with His cords of love. He loved me, He brought me into His family, and I'm experiencing a measure of reformation in my life. I'm beginning to see I've got to turn over a new leaf, not simply play Christian. God demands obedience, and I want to obey because it means life to me. And it's well pleasing to God. I'm honoring God. You know what? I may have been in dead churches for a long time. I may have been reading my Bible with lenses that were obscured with self-love and my own understanding and what I heard other lukewarm people teach me. But now the glasses are no longer fogging up. I can see God means what He says. And it's beginning to make an impact in my heart where I am beginning to examine my life in making amends for my wrongdoings. In the period of King Josiah, around 620 BC, Judah was having this reformation. Not perfect. They actually were in sin. God in His mercy sent a prophet. He allowed the discovery of the scroll of the Word of God. And the king took it upon himself to break down before God. Just like we prayed at the beginning of the service. Lord, break me down so that I can understand what you are saying and act accordingly. I can humble myself. Josiah did that. Because that king did that, there was hope for Judah. And the people began to enjoy this. In the midst of that, you have this Assyrian empire that first of all went to the north and destroyed the north, which was Israel. Then, they began to set their sights on Judah. And they used to go and harass them. 
they wanted to conquer them, but God was with them with some of the kings. So they couldn't really go and take over. But there were people who kept playing games with God. A little bit of idolatry, a little bit of sorcery, a little bit of immorality, and God was watching and watching. But at a certain point, God being so good, He said, I'm working simultaneously. I'm keeping an eye on my family. I'm looking to prosper them. But I'm also keeping an eye upon the enemy. And you know what? Their wrath is filled up right now. It's time for judgment. These cruel people, these Syrians, were warned by Jonah, repented, tasted the goodness of God, and now the severity of God is going to fall upon them. Because Nahum said, you did not do right by God. You took His mercy. You enjoyed it. Now you're right back to evil. Therefore, for all your cruelty and your return to witchcraft, God is going to destroy you. This Nahum was sent there to Judah to show Judah, you have suffered not because I wanted you to suffer, you strayed from my path. But now your enemies that oppressed you, they're continuing. I'm going to tell you something. I see all things. I'm a God who's a jealous God. Judgment is going to fall. But I have news for you. There's consolation. Comfort for you. Because in the church, in the body of Christ, sometimes we could be wondering this. How long, Lord, does this witchcraft have to continue? How long, Lord, will we be oppressed and harassed? How long, Lord, do we feel so burdened and all we have are tears? God says, not too much longer. Because my time has come to judge your enemy. Hallelujah. God says, I'm coming to bring you comfort. You will be free from the harassment of the devil. You see, Satan was sitting in Assyria. Daniel prayed and he was given a revelation that the evil spirit that was over Persia was a demon withstanding God's answer that was coming to him on behalf of his people. There's a demon spirit in different territories. As in geographical locations, so in people's lives. If we want sorcery, wizardry, sin out of our lives, we have to break down before God and say, Lord, no more. I want a thorough surrender to you. Nahum preached this. Let's read the word of God. Nahum chapter 1. An oracle concerning Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum of El-Kosh. First thing God says to him and to us in this book, in this prophecy. The Lord is a jealous God and avenging. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Now, the alternation here. Showing the justice, the anger of God against his enemies, the vengeance, the destruction. Now, he says this. The Lord is slow to anger and of great might. And again, 
the Lord, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Weren't we guilty before? The whole world is guilty. But among the guilty ones, you and I have decided to come to the cross, kneel down before the Son of God and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my wickedness. Will you forgive me with your blood? And He cleared us because we took the punishment that was put upon the Son on our behalf. But those who reject that offer, the gift of life, are subject to the wrath of God. God says they will never get away with it. Can we hear God today from the book of Nahum? God says they will never get away with their crimes against me. They rejected my love. They played the harlot. They committed abomination and wizardry and sorcery. Their days are numbered. Judah, I'm a just God. Everybody will be judged by the same standard. Because God is an impartial God. So I said the Lord is a jealous God. How is He jealous? Not in the way that we think normally, of course. Jealous of that person's things or those people's clothing or that person's house or what they can do. No. God is God. He doesn't have any of that. God is light and in Him there's no darkness at all. That kind of jealousy is darkness from the devil. But God's jealousy is a Godly jealousy, like a husband for a spouse. That no one else should have my spouse. Why? That's my wife. No one else should touch my husband. Why? It's my husband by covenant. A healthy, righteous jealousy. God says, these are my children. Who would dare to touch the apple of my eye? God's jealousy breaks out against the enemies of His people. It's a good jealousy. And He is an avenging God. But He's slow to anger. He gives such a long rope, more than any other human being that ever lived. That's the truth. If you can think in your mind right now, just for a moment, of the sweetest, most loving, most patient person you've ever met, in your whole life. Just think about that person or maybe a couple of people. I mean, their image just comes in front of you. And you see their acts of kindness. And when you would be so impatient, they were so patient. And you think, wow, I would love to be like that. God is infinitely more than that. That's the truth. So when God says, I'm jealous, when God says, I'm angry, it's coming from a person who has exhausted every possible avenue of grace because of the people's unwillingness and ugly rebellion to overthrow God. God says, He's slow to anger and a great might. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and in storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. He's so high, he's so powerful. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. Judah knew all about this. Their ancestors walked on dry ground, once through the Red Sea and again through the Jordan. They knew. My God is a God of miracles. 
He is awesome indeed. And when he said he's jealous over his people, hallelujah, thank you, O God. You mean, Lord, the witchcraft that I've experienced, it seems to be non-stop. When will it end? God says, I've got good news for you. It's coming to an end very quickly. Hallelujah. God says, I will make sure you will no more be harassed by the enemy. Who says this? God of heaven. He dries up all the rivers, Bashan and Carmel, whither the bloom of Lebanon fades. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, the earth is laid waste before him, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? Did God change? Do you know that Nahum is talking about Jesus Christ? It's Jesus Christ. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the one true Elohim, Adonai, from Genesis to Revelation. He's the one who gave his life on the cross for us. He's the one who's jealous over us. He's the one who created the universe. He's the one before whom the heat of his anger no one can endure. Behold the wrath of the Lamb. His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken asunder by him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a full end, a complete end of all his adversaries, of his adversaries. Chapter 1, God is drawing us by his Holy Spirit to know who it is that's going to pour out his wrath against his enemies. Of what character is he? Does he have the right? Absolutely, he's God. Does he have the character? Absolutely. He's holy. He's all-powerful. He is holy. And his mercy is there even to his enemies. God establishes his character so you and I can know. When he meets out justice, we should never feel sorry for his enemies. Because they are wicked to the point of provoking a holy God. That he had to wipe them off the planet. When the second judgment comes, no one should feel sorry for that devil. Let no one say that poor devil, he's being cast into the lake of fire. Or that poor antichrist, that poor false prophet, and all the poor people in the nation of the world that went and they, they continued in their immorality, they continued their sorcery, they continue their cruelty to one another. Their deceitfulness. All of it has built up and filled up God's cup. You know what? God is so true that when He says something, He does it exactly as He says. When He says, I'm waiting for that cup to fill, He will not act until it is full. He will not pour His wrath until it is completely full. That means that the God who can see every human heart can see way more than you and I can see. That he sees like an x-ray every single crime that is continuously mounted up in defiance against God. It's like a person with artillery pointing the gun up to heaven and firing it 
successfully, I should say, in succession, non-stop. Now, it does no damage to God. God looks at it and He laughs. The bullets keep coming up and keep falling. But God says, enough is enough. He crushes them and they're gone. Why? Because God does not tolerate evil to continue. He's a holy God. So the character of God gives Him the right it gives us the confidence that when he says something and he pronounces judgment and he acts, glory be to God. He has revealed his character again. But in the midst of this, it's not just judgment. It's not just how these things unfolded upon Nineveh over there. But to me, to you and I, God says, you see this happening? I want to comfort you but also warn you. What you see happening to them could happen to you. I love you. I have purchased you and redeemed you all by myself. I want you forever to live with me. But what you see happening when the rain, the fire and brimstone comes from heaven, never ever think that because you're a Christian, because you're an Israelite, a Jew, because you're born again, that you can ever tamper with horoscopes, with Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons, tarot cards, crystal ball, take it as a laughing matter when your Christian friend or even your Christian leader doesn't understand the seriousness of tampering with the devil's business. But to have such a hatred, like God hates it because it is destructive, it is deceptive, to have my heart reformed to think like God. God says if you do that, you'll have a clear vision and mount up with wings like eagles which means to ascend over a boundary, over every snare that the devil has, every wall and mountain that he erects, hoping to smash you. Like an eagle, skillfully gliding, there may be a massive mountain right there. Effortlessly it ascends over the mountain. Hallelujah. God says you and I will continually overcome the devil and make it to be with him. If we take the warnings of God seriously, as well as His promises. There's comfort for Judah, but first God is saying who He is. We pick it up here in chapter 1, in verse 8. But with an overflowing flood, He will make a full end of His adversaries, and will pursue His enemies into darkness. He said, I will chase them down. They will begin to scatter, but I will chase them down until they can run no more and I will put an end to them. This is what God says. Think about it for a moment. I can read this and think to myself, this is a Christian talk, religious talk, Bible talk. This is how God is. But to bring it home to us, we need to think of it this way. If you are bullied at school, there's a bully that's been bullying you and nobody knew about it. And every day this bully takes your lunch money. 
and then bruises you. And you're so scared to tell the teacher. Everybody's watching it, and you are so downcast and burdened and weighed down and hurt. And somebody says, I'll take care of the bully for you. And goes to the bully and says, Now you really shouldn't be doing this, you know. Please leave him alone. And the bully comes the next day and he does the same thing. Do you have confidence in that person who said they're going to step in for you? What about your dad who hears about this? And he makes the phone calls. And he calls the parent of that child. And he pursues and pursues and pursues until justice is served. That kid is suspended and he gets the shame that he deserves and you can have your lunch again without being harassed, without being bruised. This is a connection that my father sees the harassment of the devil against my life, against my body and he says that he's going to pursue the devil, my adversary, right into darkness, go right there and then destroy him. Hallelujah. This gives me confidence. You see, there's a concrete foundation for why God expects His people to trust in Him with everything and not worry. Because He is able to deliver to the uttermost. Amen? We can trust God. We can know, God, if you dealt this way with Judah, when Assyria was cruelly coming down and robbing them and laughing and then coming back and robbing again, bruising them, laying siege, just keeping them like a bully. God said that bullying is going to stop. I have seen Assyria. I have seen the witchcraft. I have seen the immorality. I have seen the oppression. I'm coming to make an end of the enemy. You can trust me. What do you plot against the Lord? Verse 9. Nahum chapter 1 verse 9. What do you plot against the Lord? He will make a full end. Over and over again, God describes, and we'll see a little more as we go along, in very graphic language. This symbolic, metaphorical language to show what? That He's precise when He meets our judgment. His character is flawless, and He makes a complete end of rebellion. God is bringing this up to show us who He is. To show us that He will comfort us and console us. To show us that He will put it complete end to the enemy. Full end. He will not take vengeance twice on his faults. What does that mean? That means the blow that he lands on the enemy's jaw is a knockout blow, no need for a follow-up strike. That's who God is, hallelujah. That when the devil assaults his people, it's one blow and it's over, hallelujah. Praise God, we can trust God Judah wondered, they were weeping, how long they keep coming and accosting his Lord. God says, not too much longer. Like entangled thorns, they are consumed like dry stubble. Imagine Judah, if you are living in Judah, I was living in Judah, and this prophet comes out of nowhere seemingly, and he starts saying these things. I might be wondering, if I'm not walking closely with God, is this just something he's making up to get a name for himself? Or he wants some sensational news to go around? And the situation we find ourselves is a very dire situation. We're being oppressed. 
We're being tormented. It's been going on for decades. Who is this man? Out of nowhere, seemingly. They think he's from Galilee up north. Some people think he's from Judah. But he just appeared. God just tapped somebody who was obedient. Go say this to my people. And the word for Judah was, Holy, just, the time is coming. You're going to be free. I'm going to console you. And the man that he sent to speak the message, his very name meant comfort and consolation. All of a sudden, in this darkness of witchcraft and sorcery, and all this pain and bruises, and this weeping, there's a glimmer of hope, there's light. And the more Nahum speaks, it's wide open. People can see the glory of God. They can see God is coming. He's going to make everything right. He says, like dry stubble, I'm going to consume them. Did not one come out from you, Nineveh, who plotted evil against the Lord and counseled villainy? Thus says the Lord, though, be, though they be strong and many, they'll be cut off and passed away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. Talking about Judah now. The God has seen the punishment. He's come to comfort. And now I will break his yoke from off you and will burst your bonds asunder. He broke away my chains. God comes to break away the chains. The Lord has given commandment about you. He's talking about you. I heard something in heaven. God was talking about you. Really, what did he say about me? I want to know. No more shall your name be perpetuated. From the house of your gods I will cut off, cut you off. The graven image and the molten image I will make your grave for you are vile. Assyria got a chance to hear that message. Jonah said God's been talking about you. This is what he says. I'm going to wipe you out in the face of the earth. If you don't repent. Immediately they saw that's the ticket. You mean, all we have to do is repent and all of that judgment is going to be taken away? The king, sackcloth, ashes, fasting, gave commandment, everybody. Humble yourself before this God. He's about to destroy us. That's all. Even the wicked king Ahab, who was so wicked, he kept listening to Jezebel. And he just accumulated more and more judgment on himself. There's an occasion when Ahab, this wicked man, weak-hearted, spineless, jellyfish, puppet for the devil, when he was there listening to Jezebel, murdering innocent people, bringing abomination to the land, and serving the idols, when he broke down temporarily, God immediately told the prophet, see how he behaves? Look how beautiful our God is. How so loving he is. He said, because Ahab suddenly humbled himself. I'm not going to do all that I said in his days. Now he was judged. But the extent of the wrath, God suddenly pressed pause. Can you see how good God is? He's not like you and me. In and of ourselves. He is the most beautiful, most loving, most powerful, noble, wonderful father from everlasting to everlasting. This God says, Nineveh, you have occasion to hear the message that I've been talking about you. 
before I spoke about you to give you a chance. You used up all the chances. Now I have to destroy you because you're not stopping to harass my people. And he says, uh, from the house of your gods I will cut off the graven image of the molten image. I will make your grave for you a while. Reading this strikes terror in my heart for God's enemies. Because he says, I have a grave made for you, has your name on it. God doesn't mince words. He says, I've given you so much mercy and opportunity. Now it's all over. Behold, now here again, the beautiful alternation of what? God saying about His holy character, His justice, His judgment, and then all of a sudden, comfort and consolation to His people who want to listen. And then notice, a quote from Isaiah, that's brought up by the Apostle in the New Testament, about the good or glad tidings of the Gospel. Behold that the mountains, Nahum chapter 1 verse 15, the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Keep your feasts, O Judah, meaning it's time to celebrate again. It's time to put off the sackcloth because you went through the required repentance, breaking down before God in humility. Now, start doing again what God told you to do. Keep the feasts and keep your vows. God says, see what I'm doing for you? Do you see how I'm dealing with the enemy? Now, humble yourself. Have my fear upon you. Come closer. Get back to me. We can be walking in fellowship again. I can use you one more time, Israel, to be the glory of God to the nations, a light to the Gentiles. That's what God wanted from the beginning. God in His grace is saying, come back to me. Think about yourself and your household. Imagine if everyone in your family would come and bow before Jesus Christ and say, you are our Lord. Will He not make your whole family a city that will give that clear proclamation? God is holy. God is good. A bright light to the world. Behold on the mountains the feet of Him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. Keep your feast, O Judah. Fulfill your vows. For never again shall the wicked come against you. He is utterly cut off. Assyria, especially Nineveh, became a dry, barren wasteland. Not too much longer after this. A city that was such a cosmopolitan, rich, prosperous, vivacious, bustling city with commerce full of might, full of merchandise, prospering, great city, holding idols fast to their hearts and saying, no, I'm not letting go, I will worship myself. Look at this 90-foot statue of God next to me. It's not like a teddy bear, but it's my idol. And I will make sure it gets into every place I go. This S-E-L-F. That self, that idol, and Sirius said, we're number one. We're it. 
We went to Egypt and we put Thebes to shame, the city of Egypt. God said, Thebes couldn't stand against you. You think you can stand against me? That's what God says. Within five decades or so, judgment fell. And it was over for Assyria. The Babylons came with the Scythians and the Medes, and they just came and completely surprised the world. This powerful nation was leveled. God says to his people, it's not just a matter of global history. God's eyes are on where? Jerusalem. 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 This is where my name is forever. And he says, Judah, don't worry. I'm going to cut off the enemies. Now chapter 2. The shatterer has come up against you. May man the ramparts. Watch the road. Gird your loins. Collect all your strength. For the Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. For plunderers have stripped them and ruined their branches. The shield of his mighty men is red. His soldiers are clothed in scarlet. The chariots flash like flames when mustered in array. The chargers prance. The chariots rage in the streets. They rush to and fro through the squares. He's talking about these people that just come ruthlessly, whatever they want. Judah became like a store with no security guards. Anytime they can come and shop to their heart's consent, vandalize the place and kill everybody. God said this is how they are. They gleam like torches. They dart like lightning. The officers are summoned. They stumble as they go. They hasten to the wall. The mantlet is set up. The river gates are opened like a dam just ready to flood. People start scattering. The palace is in dismay. Its mistress is stripped, she is carried off. Her maidens lamenting, moaning like doves, and beating their breasts, beating their chests. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters run away. It was tight like Jericho. It was powerful. God said, I'm breaking it all up. Halt, halt, they cry. But none turns back. Plunder the silver, plunder the gold. There is no end of treasure of wealth or wealth of every precious thing. Desolate, desolation and ruin. Hearts faint, knees tremble. And knees tremble. Anguish is on all loins, all faces grow pale. Now he says, Nineveh, you're like a fierce lion. Nobody can stop you. Where is the lion's den? The cave of the young lions? Where the lion brought his prey, where his cubs were, Satan goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking who he can swallow up. God says, I'm watching his activities. I'm going to cut him off. You stick with me, Judah. You listen to my commandments. You obey me. You believe what I'm going to do. You're going to be saved from the devil. Where the lion brought his prey, where his cubs were with none to disturb. Lord, wicked people, David cried, they seem to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Look at them. They're like a green tree. They keep spreading out. More wealth, more power. God said, but David, oh Israel, oh Judah, now you see him, now you don't. 
And so God said, suddenly I'll cut him off. And plus, with all his prosperity, while rebelling against me, he's on a slippery slope. What does it mean to try to be on a slippery slope? Can we have footing? No. It's like somebody who has uh, just their feet, bare feet, no footwear, no specialized footwear, on a slope full of oil, nothing, no, not one inch to hook one finger. That's how God sees the wicked. They may be prospering, but they're on the way down. God is conveying this to us again and again to show that we can trust Him. He's going to put an end to our adversaries. The lion tore enough for his whelps and strangled prey for his lionesses. I mean, he just comes out. Nobody can stop him. Comes back with the prey without fail. God says, I can stop him. And they will. He filled his caves with prey. Nineveh, Assyria, everywhere they launched out, whether to Samaria, which is Israel, destroyed them. Going to Thebes in Egypt, destroyed them. Everybody was in fear against this bully. Nobody can stop him. God says, I'm going to stop him. No more. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. Verse 13, at the end of chapter 2, very short book. Behold, I'm against you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no more be heard. The third revelation. Woe to the bloody city. What God is doing is, He's establishing His character, His divine nature. He's prophesying, I'm going to do something to the enemy. He's saying, why He's going to do it. And then He actually spells out in detail how He's going to do it. God is so good. He's a God of revelation. He's a God who speaks 24-7 to anyone who has ears to hear. And He gives revelation. As I say often, my Father in Heaven, our God who is in our midst right now, in this house, He's very, very predictable. Very predictable. If I humble myself, love Him, bring Him myself as a pleasing offer, offering, Please and sacrifice. If I pay careful attention to every part of his word, not say, I don't want to read Malachi. Who needs a bunch of prophecy that was for back then, centuries before Christ? I want to read John's gospel. Well, it's true, we're in the New Covenant. And that's where we have the revelation of the full salvation that we enjoy. That's where we see the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. The gifts, the diversities, the building up of the body, the preparation of the bride. But the Old Testament lays the foundation. The Old Testament shows how the fear of God that God expected under the Old Covenant, if anything, in the New Testament, it should be all the more. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God wants us to trust Him, but to fear Him and obey Him. That we'll be safe. So now in chapter 3, he spells out how I'm going to do this. Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and spoil, no end to the plunderer. The crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, 
horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses. Can you imagine that? He's just painting a picture, bodies piled up everywhere. How would you feel if you witnessed that? Something is going down, at the very least. And all for the countless prostitution, the harlotries of the harlot, graceful and of deadly witchcraft, sorcery, who betrays deceased nations with her prostitution and people with her witchcraft. Now the version says, who through her witchcraft, the devil, using people, deceives them, ensnares them, and then families, the devil, this witch called Nineveh, went after families with her sorcerers. God says, I'm going to spell it out, exactly what they did. It's not simply, you're good and they're bad, so too bad for them, I have to punish them. No, this is why they're bad. This is what they did. This is why the Holy Spirit spells out in detail in the pages of Scripture exactly what the devil has done, why he's going to the lake of fire forever. Exactly what the people who follow the devil have done and are doing, why they're going to go to where the devil goes, the lake of fire. So we can know fully God is just, He's holy. And for us, we receive great consolation that I have received this pardon. Why? Because I've made a clear-cut separation from the sorcery in this world, the music of this world, the media of this world, the magazines, the pastimes of this world, all the ideals, the things that the world esteems, God says, that which is highly esteemed of man is an abomination before God. Man says, this is treasure. God says, it is trash. All that you hold as worth attaining, according to the world, all that the world holds dear, God says, it's trash. Don't live for money. Don't live for fame. Don't live to be popular. Don't live to convince other people that you're good. Just be you. Serve me. I'll make sure I will exalt you in due time. I will use your life. Behold, I'm against you, says the Lord of hosts, Nineveh, as Nahum prophesied in chapter 3 of Nahum, verse 5. And will lift up your skirts over your face. Graphic language. It is shameful to think. Imagine your family member exposed broad daylight. How would you feel? Your own flesh and blood, your mother, your daughter. Disgusting and despicable. Who did this? Kill that person. God said this is what they wanted. They were reckless and immoral. Now I'm going to do it to them. And that's what happened. I, and I will let Nations look on your nakedness, your filth. I will throw filth at you, God says, and treat you with contempt and make you a gazing stock. And all who look on you will shrink from you and say, Wasted is Nineveh. 
Who will cry for her? Where will I look for comforters for Nineveh? Nobody. Nobody's there to mourn for her. Are you better than Thebes? That sat by the Nile? With water around her? She was thought she was, you know what, I had the, this prosperous Nile and I'm surrounded with such a fortress. Are you better than her? Her rampart is sea and water her wall. Ethiopia was her strength, right there, down south. Egypt too and that without limit. Put and the Libyans were her helpers. She had a posse. She had a gang. Thought I'm impregnable, impenetrable. Assyria, weren't you the ones? Weren't you the ones that went and destroyed them? Now, I'm coming against you. If they can stop you, and you know who I am, you can't stop me. God is just drilling it into them. Telling the message, it's over. Yet she was carried away, this thief, she went into captivity. Her little ones were dashed in pieces at the head of every street. Who did that? This wicked, cruel Nineveh. Didn't even care for infants. Dashed the little ones in pieces at the head of every street. What they did, the Assyrians were, they impaled the people, they held them up, they heaped up corpses, they brutally tortured them. They weren't content just to take them as slaves and you know what, kill some of the leaders. They tortured them. Cruel, wicked people. God says, I've seen every bit of it. I'm going to repay you on your head. Everything you've done. And to think that today in 20, the 21st century, to think that God is somewhere in the sky and, you know, He kind of created the universe and He unwound, unwound it and it keeps ticking and keeps going and once in a while when there's an earthquake or a catastrophe, we bring His name into the clause, you know, uh, except for an act of God and He's just a pushover and uh, surprise. God is an awesome Holy God. And it's written in the New Covenant. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. She dashed the little ones in pieces at the head of every street. For her honored men, lots were cast. And all her great men were bound in chains. Nineveh, this is what you did to my people. This is what you did to Egypt. This is what you did to your enemies. You paraded as if you're number one. Nobody can stop you. You also will be drunken. You will be dazed. You will seek a refuge from the enemy. All your fortresses are like fig trees with first ripe figs. If shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. That's how easily Nineveh, Nineveh, that's how easily your enemy, notice, your enemy is going to watch you fall into his mouth. Like a tree with thick so ripe, just hanging by a thread as it were, just a little shaken, down it goes right into the mouth of the eater. Who's the enemy? God is the enemy. God says you cannot withstand the enemy. I'm the enemy now. Behold your troops are women in your midst. No offense to women. God is simply saying, those who are homemakers, untrained for battle, those who are different, 
in their physical constitution. They're not made for warfare. They didn't have troops in the ranks that went out with sword among women in those days. You take an army and you field an army against the enemy and you know who he put there? Homemakers with their aprons right in front. No weapon, just a soft and gentle. God says, that's how you appear to me now. You fierce, evil, formidable forces of darkness. All of your troops are like women who normally don't go into battle. The gates of your land are wide open to your foes. Fire has devoured your bars. No defense is going to keep you safe from me. God says, I'm coming. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your forts. He said, I'm going to surround you. You notice how God talks? He said, this is the way you treated people? Sennacherib, if you recall, in Hezekiah's day, he came and he sent his spokesperson. And he just threatened, taunted, bullied. He attacked their morale. He began to tell them, you guys sitting on the wall, listen to me. Don't listen to your king Hezekiah. You think all those other people who are so much stronger than you can stop us? You guys will be fools. Don't listen to your king. And where is your God? They kept bullying them, taunting them. God says, it's your turn now. I'm coming. Prepare your little preparation because I'm going to surround you on every side. And I'm going to come straight in and destroy you. Get the water. I'm going to cut off your water supply. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your forts. Go into the clay. Tread the mortar. Take hold of brick mold. Start. Go ahead. Build your forts. It's not going to help you. But go ahead and do it. There will the fire devour you. The sword will cut you off. It will devour you like the locust. Go ahead and multiply. Why don't you call for another draft? Why don't you feel uh, another 100,000 men? You know, go through a quick academy. Train the youngsters. So you can have what? A bigger army like locusts. God says, multiply yourself like the locust. Multiply the grasshopper. Sometimes the wicked forces of hell seem to be much more powerful. They seem to be all over the place. We seem to be surrounded and harassed. God says the taller they are, the harder they fall. The more they build themselves up to defy me and defy my people, that's how hard their fall is going to be. You increased your merchants more than the stars of the heavens. You had stores, you had factories, you had ammunition production centers. You had it all. The locusts, and then he says more than the stars of heaven. You have so much happening in your city. The locust spread its wings and flies away. Your princes are like grasshoppers, your scribes like clouds of locusts. You have everything for a modern city that's going to be at the top of the heap. You have scribes, you have educated people, you have brute force, you have strength, you have ammunition, you have commerce, you have this uh, fame all over the globe. Nobody can stop you. You're just taking it all in and saying, who's the God of Judah? Watch this. I robbed him on September 14th. I robbed him on November 3rd. I robbed him again on Christmas. I'm going to rob him again. 
This is what they were doing. Anytime they chose, in and out, plunder, put them to shame, afflict Judah, and it seemed like, God, where are you? They should have asked that when they sinned. Judah should have. But God is so good that He sees the affliction of His people when they start crying out, Lord, I'm so sorry. How could I have been so proud and evil? I chose my own course. He sends a prophet. Comfort. I will help you. I will help you. I will heal you. I will deliver you. As we close in chapter 3, He says, Your princes are like grasshoppers. Your scribes like clouds of locusts, settling on the fences in the day of cold. When the sun arises, or rises, they fly away. No one knows where they are. Have you ever seen on your porch, in the evening, when that porch light is on, it seems like a sheet of mosquitoes or moths, and I mean, all kinds of creatures maybe you never heard of or seen. They just cover your front siding like a blanket, thinking where on earth did they come from so quickly? They just took over the side wall there. But the moment the light is off, after a while you turn it on, nobody's there. Nobody home, thankfully. These locusts are compared to the Assyrian troops. They come and sit on the fence. When the sun arises, they fly away. No one even knows that they were there. God says the wicked will be remembered no more. The righteous shall be held in everlasting remembrance. Those who fear God and keep His commandments. God says, I will perpetuate their memory into eternity. They're going to live with me. But those who rebel against God, there'll be a distant memory. In fact, I'll wipe their memory out. So God uses graphic language to show what they did, and to show that the punishment fits the crime. God is holy and just. They refuse His mercy. God says, all I have left is wrath. Because I did everything I could do. And you continued in your folly. Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with none to gather them. There's no assuaging or calming your hurt, soothing your hurt, your wounds. Your wound is grievous. God says, I've struck you. Nobody's there to heal you. You refused my healing for your sins. Now I had to strike you. Nobody will be there to heal you. How terrible, what a terror to hear that coming from the mouth of God, who's the most loving, patient person in the universe. All who hear the news of you will clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not come your unceasing evil this is how the Word of God ends in this prophecy given to Nahum. God says, everybody that hears of your destruction, they will clap their hands. Horrible. Imagine going to your funeral, seeing people clap for the death of someone. Because God says, this is the reason why. Did you spare anybody? When you did evil. You wanted to wipe out all my people. And that's why this has come upon you. As was mentioned, this prophecy of Nahum against Nineveh and Assyria out east was interspersed 
with that revelation of destruction against them with comfort and consolation for God's people Judah. When they were thinking, every day we're coming to pray, God. Fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. The evil keeps on happening, Lord. How long, Lord? God says, it's coming to an end. Because I'm going to act. I love you. And I've seen what's going on. I'm going to put an end to it. And once more, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have your joyful feasts as well as your solemn feasts before me. You're going to grow and prosper and multiply. And you're going to remember your vows. Keep your vows before me so that I can bless you once more. Free from any harassment from the enemy ever again. That period of King David where wars were fought continually. Transition into a period of Solomon. 40 years of blissful peace all around. And what happened? There's a complete raising of that nation of Israel to a height of glory that it never knew before. They began to build the temple of God. God's presence was there. People from far away came to hear what? The wisdom of the Holy Spirit that was given to Solomon. And they came with their gifts and their treasures. The glory just continued to overpower the power of darkness. That's what God is doing for His people now. He's putting an end to all of the harassment of the devil, the wounds of the devil. He's going to destroy the devil's work and the workers of evil. And He's going to build us Build us where more people will come, where it'll be a holy temple unto God, and His knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord, will be like the water covering the earth. There's going to be a glorious increase in the revival that has begun. Revival is already here. It's going to be a complete, glorious spreading of the revival. Before we began today, the Spirit of God led me to pray. Break me down, O Lord. When I read, when you read, when we hear this prophecy of Nahum given to God's people Judah, we have to say, Lord, do I really fear you? Am I really fearing you in the correspondence to your awesomeness, Lord, of who you are? Lord, to know that you're a jealous God, jealous over me, is to admit, if I'm going to be in the Word and be honest, it demands a responsibility to be fulfilled on my account, my part. Which is, if God is so jealous over me, that I should be with Him forever, that He would make me to be an instrument of His righteousness. If He's so zealous that I should do what? Revelation. Repent. I've got to purify my heart. I can never say I've arrived and I've reached a plateau, Lord, where I can't improve anymore and become self-sufficient and smug. We're the people of God. Let's parade all over town. Do you want to attract? Do you want to hear about the gospel? When God may be saying, sit down in your house and repent for your sins first. Make sure your heart is pure and then you can serve me. Once that's taken care of, joy and mirth and feasting and celebration 
period of peace, glory come in our midst. God will be happy to say, these are my people, and I am their God. Shall we stand up and pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to your holy name, Lord. You are the God of all flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As we worship the Lord, we ask Stanley to come up, the guitar if you can. Father in heaven, oh, you have spoken your word. Oh, my God. You call us, Lord, to examine ourselves. Are we like Judah? Lord, have we enjoyed a measure of repentance and prosperity? And Lord, were we like Judah, unfortunately? In the chronology, Lord, the timeline of the history of the people, once you destroyed the Assyrians, they were soon taken captive by the Babylonians because they refused to have a thorough repentance. God, I pray, help us to examine our lives, to have a thorough repentance, Lord, that no evil can ever be found, no leaven, no malice, no brutality, no cruelty, no self-centeredness, no idol of self be ever be found to attach itself to us like a keychain. That we smash the idols and say, Lord, break me down. Help me, Lord, to love you, to know who you are. You're so great. And Father, who am I that you should have mercy upon me? And God, I'm coming to you to do right by you. I repent, Lord, of the attitudes, the nastiness, the self-centeredness, Lord, whatever is there that needs to go out of the house of my heart today. We're going to worship the Lord. Think about these things that God is speaking. Allow Him to do a permanent work so you can have real joy. And when you speak, God by His Spirit will empower you to have genuine fruit for His kingdom. Praise God. We worship the Lord. Personal, me. 
set me apart. Oh God, set me apart for Your purpose. Yes, this is what I want, Lord. Shape me, O Lord. Go ahead, cry unto God. Shape me, O Lord. If you have a voice, cry to God. God, I want this in my life. For me, O Lord, we shall be formed. For me, by Your hand. Yes, Lord. Set me apart. Set me apart. Set me apart for Your purposes. And we shall serve. Serve You. And we shall serve. Say, I shall serve You. days of my life. That's all. The rest of my life to serve you, Lord. I shall, I shall serve, serve you. I shall serve oh, thank you. Thank you, Father. I shall serve you. All the days of my life. Set me apart. Set me apart. Set me Talk to God out loud. Worship Him. 
think for a moment as I think deeply. Lord, you called me, called me to be holy. You called me to have another look, to invite you, to see if there be any wicked way in me. To sweep it all out, Lord. I need you. Oh, I need you, Lord. Maybe some of you are thinking, sometimes I do get jealous. If the truth be told, there is a little bit of jealousy. And I want it out, God. Oh, I want it out, God. I try not to be jealous. But I'm not trying hard enough. I haven't crucified it. God, help me to get rid of it today. Maybe some of you are still eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You did this to me. This is the attitude I'll have against you. I'll do what you did to me. God said, that's not the way. You may not be what you were, but you're not what you're supposed to be. Considering all the word that I've invested in you, will you be truthful and humble and say, Lord, I want that out. Oh, Jesus, I want to reward good for evil among my family. We're not talking about the hypocrites and the evildoers and the sorcerers. We're talking about those whose actions the devil would use in an attempt to make us to go eye for eye, tooth for tooth. To be vengeful for ourselves. Say, Lord, I have nothing to do with that. Oh God. Anyone flirting with immorality? Oh, I don't have stuff in my house anymore. I've deleted stuff. But I have an eye that does get caught off guard. The reason is it hasn't been crucified. You need to come to God and say, Lord, how can I be a holy vessel? How can you accept my offering? The Israelites were instructed to get rid of every bit of leaven and then come and celebrate. Why does God keep bringing up resentment over and over and over again? Perhaps because it is one of the most common negative traits coming from the devil, all negative from the devil. But among those negative traits that is so prevalent seems to be so respectful, it can be respectable. It can be hidden to an extent. Say, God, I want to be innocent and harmless like the Son of God was in this. Then you'll be made pure. Pray in your heart and ask God, Lord, is there any wicked way in me, Lord? Anything at all, my Father? I don't want to go the way of Assyria. I don't even want to go the way of Judah, Lord. And they got captured by Babylon because they refused to do a thorough work. They had a reformation, but it wasn't good enough. Oh God, I want a complete change. Just a minute, praying your heart to the living God as we're in His presence. Then we're going to sing, Change My Heart, O God. Thank you, Jesus. You may want to say, Lord, forgive me if I have anything that is not pleasing to you in my life. You may want to name that thing that comes up that you know you shouldn't be having. But it's attached itself to you because you allowed it. Today, cut it off. Say, Lord, I can't go on like this. You're a holy God, Lord, and I must be holy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus.
if you're sincere about making a jump in your spiritual walk today, whatever God has identified by the Holy Spirit as you are in His presence, you and you only can sing this song, Change My Heart, O God. Otherwise, it would be a total lie. And if you mean business with God, shall we sing this together? Speak to God, the Holy God. We just saw His character. He sees everything. And He invites us to judge ourselves, to get rid of the things that are not supposed to be there as Christians, Christ followers. Say, Lord, change my heart. I want to grow up even more into the head which is Jesus Christ. Let's sing, change my heart, God. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. 
because my one desire in life As I mentioned, like a 90-foot idol that's being dragged around by us, handcuffs to us, willfully, voluntarily. Say, Lord, I'm not going to be self-seeking anymore, Lord. I really want to put that to death. I really want to see how I can honor you, Lord. How in everything Christ will have the preeminence in my life. Father, speak to me. Help me. To be a worthy disciple that will bring great delight to you, Lord. Great pleasure. Thank you, Lord. 
Do you know there are idols and gods that people serve, demons? No matter what you do, you can't satisfy them. Bloodthirsty demons. You have to keep on showering things upon them. Substance. But God is God who is a spirit. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we have the ability to make our Father in Heaven, the Almighty God, happy. Hallelujah, it's true. We can bring great delight to our Father. Isn't it the person that you love so dearly that you would like to make happy most? If I love my Lord and Savior so much, and I say that, shouldn't He be the one that I long to please and He's so easy to please? Jesus said, just stay with me, abide with me. Hallelujah. Obey my voice. Note my godly jealousy. And can we be jealous for God? To honor His name to the extent that we get very angry. Should anyone try to malign His name, dishonor Him? And we get very happy when somebody's praising God. Even if it's somebody that we don't know. But it's a Christian, maybe on the other side of the world, maybe in another church, maybe on the street. We hear someone giving glory to God. Are we happy they're talking about my Father? Oh, glory to you. Amen. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, as we're in your presence, I pray. Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, work in us, Lord, your good pleasure. Help us, Lord, to not like be like Judah, Lord, but a temporal reformation and repentance, but to be permanently in love with you. Permanently, Lord, seek your glory and honor. Lord, you said love is first of all patient. And to wait upon the Lord means patience. To love the Lord is to be patient is to wait upon Him, and to wait upon the Lord is to love the Lord. Help us, Lord, to spend more quality time with You. At least on this first day of the week, I pray that Your people would think deeply on the Word and spend more time searching Your treasure today. Oh God, I pray, every single one may encourage one another in their households to separate from the normal activities and say, I'm going to seek God. Hallelujah. He's worth all my worship. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. We're going to sing that as Stanley can get the chords for that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And I live my
singing to our Holy Father.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing this where you are as we go out with joy today. God has heard the cries of many of us saying, How long, Lord? The Lord says, I'm coming to put an end to all of the enemy's works. Hallelujah. So you can be free to worship me and prosper. Thank you, Father. More love, more power. Thank you, Jesus. Sing with all your heart, with all your voice, the best strength that you have. Hallelujah.